going live right now. Oh my god! So this has been the worst. Just you, you know those days where you feel like the universe is just against you in every measure. Mm-hmm. This is one of those days for me. Yeah, my none of my shit works because why would it? Why would it, Zach? Right. Why would my stuff work? But I don't know. I, because I, I spend all this time getting all this stuff to work so that I can work, but then my stuff just doesn't work. My computer that I normally do all this stuff on doesn't. Just won't. It just won't. Okay, oh, no. okay, so now I'm on the laptop. So apologies for those of you on YouTube. I have a bit of a potato vision thing going on. Zach is, <laughs> my, I don't know my what the cord, hell he's doing. My cord is completely tangled around my chair. <laughs> Discord, I can't see the Discord chat, so apologies to uh, all the patrons because I, I can't add new patrons to the Discord <sighs> right now, and I can't see what's going on because Discord logs logs us out of everything all the time. Yep. Unless you use it every day, it logs you out. <laughs> We're back. Oh, oh, and of course, of course, I can't open my DAW on this computer for some reason. For some reason, I have it. In, it just won't open. So, Addison, I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to f- deal with whatever audio we give you this this episode. Because my God, you got this. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. What's up? Hey. <laughs> you and I haven't talked in a couple weeks. No, not really. Just in passing. After I, that last episode, we almost we needed some space. That's right. And uh, the um, I. I sent you, with, and I apologize. I made a thumbnail where I put your face on Gene Simmons' body. <laughs> Without my consent. And then, it, it just, I mean, it just makes me laugh. Because you look at it and you're like, what is, why is Rhett dressed like that? <laughs> and then I made it your profile picture on my phone. <laughs> and when you text me, I'm like, who the hell is this? <laughs> It, apparently it made the rounds at novo too apparently i'm on the wall somewhere yeah Matthew showed me cool cool i love it so much that's so great it, <laughs> it just like if i found the perfect like angle of your face and if, it, if, if i had a picture of me that i could do I'm, i mean i would totally done it but it was just like too perfect it's fine so. i thought it was funny i, I legit it, it was really really funny um so I wonder if Gibson's pissed at us. By the way, I haven't. I guess I'll find out next week at Nam when I wander into their booth and. Yeah, you'll find out. So are you I'll, going? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, we. Um, I guess I can talk about it. They because they announced them yesterday. The UA amp pedals. Yeah, um, I thought maybe yeah. we could talk about that today. I have all three of them. Oh, perfect. Um, I'm actually going out there to do a video. Um. It's going to be myself and Tim Pierce mm. uh, and James Santiago, the creator of the pedals. And we're going to go to Sunset Sound Studios. And uh, basically, I'm going to make a video. So UA is sponsoring the video. This is a, a sponsored thing. And, and I don't like doing gear demos. And I don't like doing... I don't think I've ever done like a properly sponsored video. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I have. I, I've done like the boss... Waza FC1 fuzz. But generally when I do that, I try and make the video about something else. Like not, hey, let's talk about how great this pedal is that they're paying me to show you kind of thing, right? Right. So this video, we're going to go 
and we're going to get the amps that uh, they used for reference for these pedals. And really, I think the video is going to be about the amps and the sounds and yeah. and why um, why they decided to do some of the things they did. And Tim will be there at a room that he's worked at a lot. And we'll just basically have a big amp nerd video. And what I'm going to try and do is for each amp, I want to dial in one or two sounds and then try and um, it's actually it. we can get more into this later, but I think it is a bit telling of how confident ua in these pe- ua is in these pedals because i pitched them on this idea like let's use the real amps let's yeah. dial in a sound and let's see if we can approximate that with the pedals and they're like yeah okay let's do it so that's, that's what awesome. we're gonna do cool yeah. well yeah we can talk more about that um how was your 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 vacation well vacation was uh unbelievable so for those of you who don't know which i imagine is most of you um, because why would you be clued into my personal endeavors? Uh, my wife and I went on our first vacation in like three years, two and a half years, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. We packed up the truck and our camper and we drove out west. Uh, the trip in total was 5,400 miles. It was 5,454. Hey. So um, 5,454 miles. So we went, um, left Atlanta, made it to Santa Fe in about two days. Um, did two nights in Santa Fe, then went up to Durango, Colorado, met up with my childhood best friend, Andrew, and his girlfriend, Jewel, and we did most of the trip with them. So we did basically Durango, Colorado, Mesa Verde National Park, which is amazing, all the Native American cliff dwellings and everything. Then we cut across into Valley of the Gods, Monument Valley, like Forrest Gump Point, you know, that scene where he's running up the road, all the people are behind him, and he's like, he stops, and he's like, I think I'll go home now. I have a picture of us standing right there in that spot on the road, which is fun. Uh, and then we cut across to South Rim of the Grand Canyon. Saw that. It was fine. It's a big ass <laughs> hole in the ground. Uh, <laughs> right. Then we went around up north into uh, like Zion National Park. Did a couple days in Zion. And then we're camping the whole time on BLM land, uh, which is public land here in the States. And said goodbye to Andrew and Jewel. Tilly and I cut across Utah. It took us two days to get across Utah, the scenic route. And we went to Moab, spent three days in Moab, and then came home across Colorado, Kansas City, St. Louis, the whole way. It was a blast. That's awesome. Yeah. Saw some cool shit. Did some cool shit. Uh, it was a much needed reset for for Tilly and I. So uh, Yeah, I bet. I, uh, it, I mean, I'm, I'm not one for camping. Uh, but it would be fun to see all that stuff. So, well, we're not we weren't camping in the sense of like pitching a tent every night. We have the the camper. Right. Um, it's it's a Taxa Cricket Overland. If anyone's interested in looking it up, it's a cool like um, pop up travel trailer that's like really off road capable. So mm-hmm. because we have the FJ, we we were able to get back to some incredible campsites that are kind of off some some beaten uh, off some dirt roads off the beaten path a little bit. So it was. It was sick, man. Like camping in Valley of the Gods for two nights was it was like I was in a John Wayne film. It's the most picturesque thing. And then at night, all the stars come out. Um, We had one moment because it's so clear out there. You can see satellites going by and the Milky Way and all this stuff. And we had one moment in Valley of the Gods where up over the horizon, this it looked like someone was shining a laser. It was a perfectly straight line 
of little white dots. And there's probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them. And they were, it was in a straight line coming across and they, they all came up over the horizon like this. And at first we were like, what the hell is that? Like some kind of UFO something. It was, it was nuts. And then I remember Starlink, Elon Musk, all those little mini satellites all lined up in a row, kind of just (laughs) streaking across the sky. Crazy. It was nuts. Wild. Yeah. So what's been going on with you? Uh, well, it's working. Uh, uh, McKinley got COVID, so we were down for a Damn while. So, yeah, living your life and, you know, <laughs> breathing in other people's air. Uh, but th- so he was it was he was out. And so it was just Jeff and I just, you know, making the next bout of airline drives. And then um, I think I, I might have touched on this, but I, I spent a lot of time dialing in the pickups. Uh, so, uh, Wes gave me this, um, uh, Revolta Regatta because I don't know if this is going to show up. Uh, no, it's not good. The, this arrived in a container and the neck and the body were not connected. Oh, cool. <laughs> and this is a set neck guitar. So he like, he literally glued it back together right? and said, here, you want to put some pickups in this? And I said, uh, I mean, I'll try it. So it's become like the pickup testing guitar just to mix it up from uh, the Revstar I bought. And uh, I think we got it. I think the pickups are done. So Okay. Nice. Uh, I'll we're, uh, So Porter pickups will be wanding uh, Hell stuff yeah. for me. And uh, Brian and company are, are great dudes. And um, yeah, we're going to start the whole thing. So I, I've spec'd them out. I've got the turns. I've got the magnets. I've got the sound, I think. And the the entire time I was A-being this with guitars that were, you know, extraordinarily more expensive with crazy pickups. So my Les Paul, my yep. McCarty uh, Hollow Body 2, which has throwbacks, that, that guitar is just phenomenal. And um, after we got these these magnets in it, it's like, that's it. So happy. Nice. But uh, apart from that, you know, it's just uh, Graham turns four on Friday, so we've been planning. Mazel Yeah, Mazel we've been planning his, his uh, birthday. So four, four is uh, it's it's his, it's one of those first experiences as a birthday where it's kind of a bit of a throwaway birthday. It's like turning thirty-two, you know. No, up until ten, you're a little kid. So you, it's the Patton Oswalt uh, like number of birthdays you get, <laughs> like. Wait, get, I don't know the Patton Oswalt number of birthdays thing. Uh, so Patton Oswalt says, uh, you know, up until about ten, you get a birthday every year. Yeah, and then, um, uh, you don't get a birthday. For Eleven, right? Twelve, you get a birthday because it's your last. You're not a teenager yet, right? Thirteen, you get a birthday because you're a teenager now. Okay. Uh, sixteen, you get a birthday because you can drive. Yeah. 18, you can get a birthday because you can vote. Uh, <laughs> then you don't get a birthday till 21 when you yep. can drink. Yep. And then it's a birthday every 10 years. Yeah. I, I feel like that's pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. But his, well, his nice. joke is very funny. <laughs> so if you, if you don't like <laughs> if you don't know Patton Oswalt's birthday joke, let's go look it up. I like his, uh, his cameo in, was it Parks and Rec, where oh, they're yeah. at the... Uh, the the county hearing and he's he's describing what would become the opening scene of the boba <laughs> yeah. fett series 
And yeah, he actually the, got writing credit on that. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, it's exactly how all of us nerds thought it would yeah. be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the extended cut of that, like him talking about the Marvel Star Wars crossover is pretty fantastic. But Yeah, I couldn't which finish we may the Boba Fett series though. Couldn't do it. Oh man, yeah, it gets the scooter. The scooter chase scene. Once we got to that point, <laughs> I was like, I'm out. I, I'm so. This is so far. This is so un Star Wars to me. So far removed from the universe. I can't. I can't reconcile it. And I just was out. Didn't finish well, it. Before we dip a rig, uh, I, I I should just say one of the things that felt so wrong to me because uh, I'm a huge Star. Like, I mean, a huge Star Wars nerd. And John Mallow, the costume designer for star wars had one rule well i had many rules about costumes but there was one very important rule and when you think about it you're like oh there's no zippers anywhere in star wars and all of those characters had like zippered leather jackets and it's like not in universe they're all buttons or like you don't see it it's just like folded Mm -hmm. over and attached yeah um and that really pulled me out of it. And those scooters, like, it looked like you just took a Vespa and put it on a hoverboard. It didn't make it any sense. It was so, it, it, yeah, I couldn't finish it. Couldn't stomach it. Yeah. All right, cool. Do you want to, you want to dip rig? Yeah, we got one right here. So, pow. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. This is from uh, Christopher Glover. And he has got some matchy, matchy gear going on. And I like yeah, it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. So what he's got, he's got a Novo Solus M1 and Cat's Eye Burst, which for those yep. listening is like the Epiphone green to black burst. A uh, olive drab looking Les Paul Special Gibson, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. Fender American Professional in like a greenish drab color. He's got a Tone King Imperial head and cab, a Benson uh, Nathan Jr. in tweed, and his pedal board's really simple. He's got a, a Polytune, a Greer Super Hornet, brown protein, a 1981 DRV, full tone OCD, and then uh, the Walrus Audio Mako D1 V2. So I guess that's the delay. And then cool. he even has uh, olive drab cables, which is it's just fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, very, a lot of earth tones happening in this image right now. Yes, very, uh, and even the feather picture in the background. <laughs> yeah, and the wall, <laughs> and the wall, and then the floor. Yeah. It's all just if you made a palette of this image, it's just. Brown and green. Oops. That's it. Uh-oh. What'd you do? Why'd you do I, that? I, I was trying do to do that. this on Discord. Oh, uh, my God. Crazy. Discord, Discord sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the um, How I Built This episode on the founder of Discord. Do you ever listen to that podcast? Man, I, this is the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> you, would like, you, you would like How I Built This. This is an NPR show. It's about mm. they interview founders of, of really well-known companies. Uh, I listened to the one with uh, Leatherman. Did you know... Oh. That Leatherman is the founder's last name, Tim Leatherman. I did know that actually. Oh, well, then whatever. Forget I said that. All right, let's get back to this recap. Sure. All right. Well, guitars, I mean, the Novo, come on. Super rad. The Solus, yeah. You, the Solus, I love my Solus. You, I, I imagine, are still uh, still into your Solus. I, yeah, it's the only guitar that I, it's the only Novo I have that I go, I should really just like, mess with this and put in all sorts of wacky stuff but yeah it's a fantastic guitar <laughs> um then the the les paul les paul special there dual Easy. p90s yep uh strat maple board 
easy which by the way per our per our uh, episode a few weeks ago turns out most people are like me and can feel the board so i think i think something's wrong with with how you play no it's not hand. i mean it's not that i just don't think it is such a impediment uh and i don't think it's like i think blindfolded the majority of people couldn't tell uh the difference Oh, I disagree. I wouldn't say it's an impediment. Like it doesn't impede me. It just it feels different changes. But I would bet that if we we blindfolded we if we took a, a what is our sample size here? You think ten people? 15, well, to, 20 to people? get an accurate uh, bell curve, you need thirty people, and okay. they would all need to be guitars probably that they'd never played before. So at right. least you know not their personal guitars. So. Right. And then have them play and see if they could discover the difference. We, we do a, a, an ANOVA study, an analysis of variance to find if there is significance or not significance. <laughs> well, sure. What you just said, because you have a college degree. Um, <laughs> Strat, cool. Straight yeah. ahead. He's got some of the bases covered. Uh, perhaps, you know. Oh, my God. Perhaps a, a humbucker guitar somewhere in the mix would be cool. Sure. Um, you get the, the dual P90 thing happening. But the Solus and the Special are two different things i mean there's yeah really the only the only similarities there are the the pickup um all right now the imperial is that that's the mark ii right it's uh, hard his, to, I, his email says it looks uh, like my mark ii it says mark ii yeah so that's yeah. the one with the, the attenuators and all the the goodies dude that is a killer amplifier it's they're, so good they're great they're really really good i'd never owned a tone king um and tone king did give me mine so um you know uh some some transparency there but i i play it a lot like a lot a lot because it kind of does all the fender stuff that i i would want from any of my fenders it can it can do the clean deluxe thing it can do the tweed thing it can get really really broken up and raunchy it's great sounding tremolo great sounding reverb that's a yeah i I really like the lead channel on it i feel like everyone kind of like like they don't really talk about it, but because it's not as normal. Because what it has like the tone and then like the mid. It's like yeah, it, it's got it's uh, the uh, bite. Hold on, right. let me wait. Well, we can pull it up. We can... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid bite is what the control is called. Right. Um, and it it does a cool thing. It's like it's 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 not a it's not a static control, meaning like it doesn't just you know turn up or turn down the mid range of the bass. It's kind of like. You know the bass control on a on an AC30, like an old AC30, as you turn the bass up, it also shifts the mid range as well. It's yeah, it's that kind of thing where you're getting a two for one sort of control, and it really does have a drastic difference in the uh, the tone of the amp in that mid bite control. It's super yeah, cool. You have to balance them. It's not just like a you set one, set the other, and then that's it. It's like a you have to play. They're interactive. Yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, they're great amps. I I personally of all the Tone Kings, I like the Sky King the most because it just had a little has a little bit more punch because it's louder. It's forty watts. Right. Um. But the Imperial for like, like a do it all. Most every gig you could handle. You know. Oh yeah. It's a great amp for that. So if someone's looking for a one amp to do everything and they want a really good tube amp and they want it to do the american thing mm-hmm. i really don't think you could go wrong with that imperial mark ii um and it's got the the iron man attenuator built into it as well yeah which is sick that to me is the iron man 2 i've i've 
I've owned one for a few years. I bought one from Righteous a few years ago. That's the best attenuator on the market, in my opinion. I really love the uh, the Iron Man attenuator, and it's built into the amp. I mean, come on, right? And what, can't you like you... select if it's on the channel, like on channel one, or you can like pick which channel it's on? There's like some um, more. I, I don't remember. know. Anyway. I stuck mine on my because I just played. I play it through the aux in here, so I don't actually mm-hmm. use the attenuator. Um, right. But I might actually take mine out. I've got a couple shows coming up in, in August with Noah, and I might take the Imperial out um, and gig with it because it, it would be the perfect uh, gigging amp. If you're looking for that American crunchy tweed thing, for sure, it would do that really, really well. Right. Takes pedals really well too. My God, yeah, they're they're really there was it was always like the the main go to demo amp at Carter for majority of Drink. guitars. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And then the Benson, uh, uh, Matthew Timmons of Novo has one, uh, the Nathan Jr. He loves it. I'm not super familiar with it. I'm uh, not either. I just, I know it's a pretty low wattage sort of like practice thing, but I, I mean, you know, is Benson it going stuff for is cool. like the Harvard champ kind of thing or is it because it looks like a tweed? It's got, got tweed covering on it, but that could just be aesthetic. Yeah, let's see. Uh, it's one 6v6, uh, okay. five watt combo with spring reverb. So oh, okay, uh, it's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, five watt single six v six. That's that's kind of champ esque. Yeah, yeah, and it's got I mean, treble and bass. Yeah, depending on what the tone stack looks like. Um, mm, little little redundancy there. I feel like with the Benson and the Tone King, a little overlap. If you're gonna have two tube amps, I feel like they should do two different things. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, and then the pedal board. Pretty meat and potatoes, pretty straight ahead. Protein, yep. killer. Hornet, killer. Um, and the, the 1981, isn't that a rat? Well, okay, so I don't know if we've ever talked about this pedal. Like, I, I know no Matt. I've I've been I've played that pedal before it was out. Like I went over to his house when like, we were trying to get a game plan for him for building them. Right. And um, I've heard it in a few permutations. It is inspired by a rat too. Okay. But it is not in and of itself a rat clone per se. It just like has that voicing. I I, I will deduct points though because at uh, Eastside Music Supply you can buy a Olive Drab 1981 DRV. So ditch that white one, get that Olive Drab one on there. Yeah, because you've gone this far as as, yeah. as in terms of matchy matchy. The the 1981 does really <clears throat> stick out on your board. <laughs> right. I mean, because even the the OCD and the Walrus, they're white, but they kind of have that ivory off white sort of thing going on. So, yeah. And the and you know what, the Polytune as well. You need to get the black Polytune Mini. The Noir. The Noir. I hear that dog. Yeah, my Doge is barking. Oh, and by the way, my uh, so I just part of the fiasco today was caused by I had to upgrade my phone. I didn't have to upgrade my phone. Let's be real. I wanted to upgrade my phone. Uh-huh. And um, if you've ever done that, you know it's just a pain getting all your stuff ported over so uh yeah finally got into into discord i made it everyone hey we're here (laughs) all right cool so all right this is a great rig yeah really really nice rig (sighs) the only thing that i'm gonna deduct points for here is the overlap and amplifiers both are super amazing amps really really nice but i feel like You've got too much of of the same thing going on here. I would say keep the Imperial and 
swap the Benson out, maybe even for a different Benson model, maybe for the uh, uh, something more British voice is what I'm trying to get out here. Uh, like uh, the Monarch? Yeah, something that can give you that chimey, compressed AC, like an AC-15 kind of sound, I think would work incredibly well with that Imperial. And, and based off the pedal board, it doesn't look like uh, like you're going too much for a Marshall sort of sound. So I wouldn't necessarily go that. I'd go AC-15 AC style amp. Right. And then if you wanted to, you can get kind of jolly and run both of them at the same time. Dual mono setup. Oh, oh that would be really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of drives that could be... I mean, they all do a different thing, but I feel like the OCD and the 1981 are prob- probably going to cover the, a similar ground sonically. Mm-hmm. Although I do think the OCD sounds best with the gain low, uh, but at any rate, um, yeah. So what? What do you? What do you? What do you? I'm gonna give this eight point eight shoils. Oh, it's a good rig. Yeah, really oh. good rig. I was thinking eight point nine five. Wow. <laughs> hey man, look. The past couple weeks, you and I've been doing this, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> we're back. You and I are right back together. Just. just. <laughs> Just like that, you know? Yep. All right. So there Great we go. Great rig. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's talk about these pedals. Wait. Oh. People, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because do. I've been noticing a trend Uh-oh. that our subscriber count has just gone. Yep. And stayed just squeaky straight. And uh, <sighs> have you looked at our analytics? Because you can tell. So I did this a few weeks ago. Um, I'd never really looked at this for some reason on my channel, but it turns out like 68% of people that watch the channel on a regular basis aren't subscribed. Yeah. And let's the, see. Thing, the thing that was crazy was I said that in a video a few weeks ago and it my subscribers just went <laughs> like skyrocketed for this uh, this month. Because people, what happens is YouTube just keeps recommending the videos in your feed. And I do this with channels all the time that I watch on a regular basis. I just, they just constantly show up in my feed. And then I'm, I don't realize that I'm not subscribed to them. But it really does mm-hmm. actually help the channel out when you subscribe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we if you have, like what we do. We, we have about somewhat. 30% of the people aren't subscribed. So we have, a, I mean, that's a pretty high percentage for subscribed yeah. uh, of our watchers. But yeah. Thirty percent. So yeah, just give it a just push the button. We're not. Yeah, just push the button. We we barely post these damn things. You know? <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna spam you because <laughs> we're trying, people. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah. UA released these uh, amp in a box pedals. They yeah, quite literally are amp in a box. I can. Uh, they're sitting right over on my shelf. You want to grab them? Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I have I have two of the three. The third one is in one of my mono cases downstairs because I took it somewhere this week. Sure. So yes. So I had this thought before we started. We'll talk about those, but also, what's it worth to have a single standalone one amp, one pedal, one thing versus having 
all of it in one box. Now, granted, okay. the money's different, but I thought we could talk about that. Well, the the money is so. What are these retail for? Uh, three uh, nine four ninety nine something. Like I that? think they're in the three hundred dollars. We should look that up so we know. Right, right. Like we know what we're talking about here because. Uh, Go to sweetwater.com. It is sweetwater.com. Uh, Post some affiliate links in the description there. Uh, they are three ninety nine. Okay, what is a used HX stomp going for right now on Reverb? Oh gosh, I don't know if my Reverb app is. Uh, I'm yeah, I got it. I got no. it. I got it. I got it. Uh, let's see. So many things to click. There looks like they're floating in the five hundred ish to. Man, they're expensive. Mm, they are expensive. Five hundred ish to six hundred ish. Okay, so hundred dollar difference. Call it. So ish. let's break down because this is a this I think is a pretty valuable discussion to have because really these are for two different players the hx stomp or you know some kind of all-in-one digital modeler versus something like the ua amp in a box or the iridium and i only bring up those two because i haven't played the walrus um what is the ac2s or whatever it's called I promise we know about what we're talking about, you yeah, guys. I just Jesus. know it. it's the Mako series. That's all. Yeah, yeah. All right. So to me, we both own stomps, right? Owned yeah. them for a few years. That is for someone who is much more comfortable in the modeling space, right? And and you understand sort of the workflow and the ideology behind building a rig in that ecosystem. So the blocks and the signal flow and you know, treating it like you're building an entire rig in this little modeler thing. Now, it's no question that the stomp is a different thing than these UA pedals. So this is the Ruby. This is the the AC30, the based off of 63 top boost AC30. Yeah. Um, so this does one thing. This does that 63 top boost AC30 thing. Now you can do arguably the same sort of rig in the HX stomp. But the workflow is totally different. This is for someone that doesn't want to menu dive. They don't want to sit and tweak and build their own presets and, and get nerdy. They just want to put this on their board, have it set up. Everything is right here. There is an app that goes with these uh, yeah. that you can use, but I've not even opened it. I haven't even looked at it. And I've been playing these for a few days now. So yeah, it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're the type of person that you don't want to mess with menus, you don't want to deep dive, you don't want to sit and tweak your your stuff all the time, I would push you towards something like this. If you are looking for a little bit of everything, you want to have maximum versatility. It can be a rig. It can be an effects processor. It can be just the wildest delay pedal you've ever had. Then go with something like the Stomp. Yeah. But, but you know... <laughs> Above all that, it's kind of like, which one sounds better? Ooh. You know? Well, I will say these sound really good. Yeah. Um, they do. The The Ruby in particular, I really like. I have a 64 AC30. Right. Um, and this, 
does that thing. Now, I had a, a Zoom call with with James Santiago from from UA. If you don't know uh, who he is, he is the designer of the Ox, of the effects pedals, and now of these pedals. He, the dude, knows his stuff when it comes to vintage guitar tone and yeah. gear. Like that's his bread and butter, his his mo, um, and you know, generally what everything that UA does, I think is, is at a really high level. Now um, the Woodrow, what's interesting. So this is the tweed. This is the yeah. first one that I played. Okay. And initially, so basically the way these work, if you haven't seen the videos, this is not going to be a demo video, but essentially you've got your amp controls uh, and then you've got three different speaker models. And like the Iridium, you can turn off the speaker emulation and push it in front of an amp which I love doing because if you're looking for an overdrive that is very amp-like, arguably something like this, something like the Iridium does that really, really well. And that's a fun thing. If you've never done that before, hit hit the front end of a tube amp with an AC30 circuit, preamp circuit or whatever. It's, it's rad. Um, but I have to admit, like on the Woodrow, which is based off of a Tweed Deluxe, 55 uh, Tweed Deluxe, there's three speaker models there's an alnico blue which i love that's what i have in my actual tweed there's the uh, jp12 and then there's a greenback 25 now the jp12 and the greenback 25 on their own and i talked to james about this yesterday like it kind of sounds bad right like it's weird and nasally and and like not something that you would traditionally think of as a good amp tone but you have to remember when you're listening to something on its own that's different than the amp in the context like in a musical context right right so we talked about that i was like yeah on its own i really leave it on the woodrow i leave it in the the alnico blue setting because that's what i like but the other two kind of do this funky weird nasally thing that you might not use all the time but when you need it it's there which is cool yeah, yeah. I, uh, we'll just keep talking about it because there's still one more switch, right? Because there's like a yeah. Okay, so there's um, on the Woodrow, and then the other cool thing is you got like a boost setting on this side. Oh right, right. Okay, so that's this boost control is the bottom right knob here, and so on the Woodrow you have a the KP3K, the stock setting, and then an Echoplex preamp. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the KP3K version. It's like a Korg rack delay. That's right. Like it's the preamp section of a rack delay. Yeah, it's uh, the edge. That's what he he used. Yeah. Uh, It also has the interactive volumes Mm -hmm. like the Tweed Deluxe has, which is cool. And they do work like the the amp, which is nice. Yeah. You you got the room control too, so you can dial in the amount of like room ambience. It's not necessarily a reverb person. I mean, technically it is, but it's not you're not going to get like a hall or a plate kind of sound out of it. It's just like more amp in the room sort of sound. Right. Um, and the, what the, so, but the, the dream 65, like the deluxe one. Yeah. That's that the one, one has, downstairs. that one has like a Dumble mod. Yeah. And a, a lead mod, which would be like a Paul Rivera. And, and that one's actually the one that I've been playing the most mm-hmm. um, because the reverb sounds good. I will say that the downside of that one is so there's obviously a spring reverb in it. It's based off of Blackface Deluxe. Um, and it sounds good, 
but it does have a you get just kind of an air of digital spring reverb right over it you know what i mean uh, but the tremolo sounds like the amp uh, and then yeah those boost settings are different mods so there's mm-hmm. um yeah i don't have it in front of me i can't remember what they're called well there's lead stock and then like d or something so yeah but the other cool thing about on the deluxe is that the the volume control in my experience of playing those old deluxes it breaks up around the same time so the throw of the volume pot you know as you start to get up to that four five on the knob it it compresses and then starts to break up like the actual amp does yeah i mean they're really good dude like they they're good they sound good so i mean who are these who do you think these are for you know Mm. are these are these because to me i look at it as uh like a a, the new version of a, a backup for your amp i mean they're more than that they're way more than that but you know is it going to replace someone's uh fractal or their neural plug-in or whatever in a studio situation or is it mainly going to be for like people that need it on a board or to go to right to front of house and replace the iridium or something that's it's an iridium competitor it's yeah. not going to compete with your fractal or your helix or your kemper and if you're the type of person that you already have one of those things this is not for you like mm. you've you, you've kind of like made your decision and and you've kind of stepped foot in that modeling camp now if you are you know wanting more simplicity and you think okay yeah i'm an ac30 player and all the sounds that i use in my fractal are all just ac30 sounds and i'm looking to downsize or maybe go to a more traditional pedal board setup then yeah okay maybe you could transition but I don't know. I think if you're already in some kind of modeling platform, this is not your thing. This to me is for that player that needs something on their board that allows them to go direct where they don't want to deal with an amp or they're in a situation where they can't deal with an amp, which unfortunately is a lot uh, more working players these days. Um, A lot of people are having to go either straight to front of house or they're having to go with you know, a modeler or an ox because people don't want stage volume anymore. Churches don't want stage volume. A lot of artists don't want stage volume. Everyone's on in-ears. Everyone's going direct. Um, and so I think that's more what this is for. You throw it on your board and you've basically got the amp on your board, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the, I just had a thought and I was looking at the back of them. It doesn't appear that they can do this. I mean, maybe they can with the, the app or something. But it would be kind of cool to have something where it's just in your board and you could send like a just pass through it and it doesn't affect the signal going to your oh amp. like a blend and then then it, you could just send it out to front of house and you just need a quarter inch cable you could do that you you would have to if you just had have, a splitter you could yeah you'd have to have a splitter and a loop on your board yeah. But yeah you could totally wire that and some some switchers could do something like that like i'm sure the gig rig could probably do that um rjm could probably do something like oh, that yeah. but i mean because that that seems to have so much value because like if you if you gig with a deluxe you gig with a a, a ac30 or, or a tweed you know you don't have to worry about miking it ever you know you have yeah. it dialed in it's going to sound the same i mean uh, depending on the sound reinforcement, but uh, I mean that's that's a really a powerful tool for consistency. But yeah. then you know you're like 
if because we I think we we get trapped in this bubble as guitar players and we think oh man my sound is going to be so perfect but there's a whole other you know there's other members of your band yeah <laughs> you know so yeah I think well uh, it's funny I'm gonna I'm gonna call out my friend Eric Zapata here um, because he's so funny he sends me stuff all the time he he's like so anti digital in everything yeah. he is is adamantly against vehemently against any kind of modeler, any kind of digital like version of, and he's, he can do that because he has the luxury of touring in a first class killer rock band with Gary Clark Jr. You don't know Zapata is the other guitar player in Gary Clark Jr.'s band and they sound phenomenal. And, And Zapata sounds phenomenal he does he does a lot of work he does a lot of heavy lifting in that band in terms of tone and and parts and playing and stuff and he's got all the shit like when you go see them live he's got the stuff on stage that works for him because they have guitar techs they travel with their same monitor engineer they travel with their front of house guy you know gary can have whatever the hell he wants on stage that's great that's like the the ultimate sort of romantic idea at least for players like me like yeah i want to have my last time i saw them we toured them in 2019 zapata's rig was two 100 watt plexis one was a real 68 i think they were both were real 68s two plexis going through two of the big fender bass breaker caps the the 15 inch speakers uh-huh. and then this giant pedal board with a fender a vintage fender spring reverb tank like the whole thing and it sounded unbelievably good right but the vast majority of guitar players now who are gigging and who are playing out and who are trying to make money and make this their career can't do that because you don't have a guitar tech you're playing with different clubs different venues every night different engineers different and then you're probably playing with an artist that doesn't want to hear any guitar on stage they just basically want to hear their vocal and a little bit of keys or something so It's it's great to have the luxury to be able to say like oh I'm I'm anti this or or it's all the real shit or whatever but the reality is the way things are going now it's just it's these tools are becoming more and more necessary I think well and they're the they're I mean obviously they're going to get they're, it's always going to be the best technology in that moment right but I think we've I mean, over the past couple of years, the blinds have been so blurred because I have friends like that, friends that work at Carter and, and very much like purists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they see me like post the pictures of the Strandberg or like videos of me playing like the HX stomp through the power cab. And you get all these comments and everyone's like, oh, man, this sounds great. And they'll say that. And then you say, oh, it's my it's my HX stomp through the power cab with a patch <laughs> I made using – one of your i one of Rhett's IRs or one of like uh yep. the, like an Eminence IR I bought, right? And they're like, oh, ah, it like, like why was it fine in that moment uh-huh. when you didn't know what it was? Yeah, yeah. And I I feel like we we just have to accept it because I mean if whatever gets the job done and makes your life easier as a musician mm-hmm. and and the band's life easier and and the venue's life uh, you know the venue's job easier. I think it is the best thing. Like the the the, I, I played at the basement once, and I I had so much stuff. I had so many guitars and amps and stuff, and I was just filling in for this like Americana band, and I brought a Doctor Z Carmen Ghia, a two by twelve cab, 
like an overdrive pedal, a tremolo pedal, and a Les Paul. And the guy just like, we mic'd it up and it was done and it was so fast. And he's like, man, if everything was that easy, mm-hmm. I would be so happy. And it can be that easy because all you have to do is go XLR cable burp, and it's yeah. done. Yeah. Now, at last time I played the basement, <laughs> I was playing my Tweed Deluxe, the one that I built from Mojotone. Yeah. And uh, I had it so quiet that it was basically off uh-huh. in the front of house guy. Again, and it was pointed side stage stage left and they were like hey can you turn down some more and it literally like i said no and i'd showed him i was like dude if i move this knob anymore it just cuts off like i'm and it sounded terrible it did not sound good but that's what i mean is like so many venues and people now it's like no stage volume no stage volume keep the stage volume low and okay fine but at least for rock music Having guitar amps on stage moving air is, I think, kind of necessary to the sound. Sure. It, it, it just, as long as it's done right and in the right context for the venue, like you, you got to have it, man. You got to have that interaction of the guitar and the amplifier, like in the same space, working together as like the symbiotic organism. Um, but unfortunately, the reality is now for most working guitar players is you got to have some kind of digital solution. Even if it's not your main thing, you have to have it as an option. Yeah. Um, I, we, the Iridium I used on a radio date in the Netherlands. We loaded into this radio studio. It was basically like Dutch NPR. And we played a live performance. And at my backline amp on that tour was an AC30. Like oh, I yeah. can't, I can't roll an AC 30 into a radio studio and expect anyone to be happy about it. But the Iridium was perfect. I laid it on the floor. I sent the guy a mono signal out an XLR out and I plugged my board into it and it sounded fine. Sounded yeah. good. Yeah. You know, now was it like my analog wet dream of, of gear and tone? No, but, but it worked in that moment. We were able to put down a really good performance that a lot of people heard and people dug. So it, it's funny. I feel like a lot of the purists, they see people adopting digital side of things. And, and it's, not, it's not like you're adopting it and then throwing everything else in the garbage, but that's how you're treated. You know, it's like, I'm not ever going to sell the two rock or, or this PRS amp because they make me happier than any other amplifiers I've ever touched that, I mean, that I could afford, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, like, I just don't know why, why we, we can't have both. And, and do you think that eventually apart from the big stages, like we're, we're ever going to get to a point where that you have to be silent? Like you have to be quiet. I think we're getting, it depends on the band. Okay. So, um, this past weekend, I got to go see our friend Kenny Greenberg. Uh-huh. He uh, he was in Atlanta, plays for Kenny Chesney, um, playing the biggest venue in Atlanta, Mercedes Benz Stadium, sold out, seventy whatever thousand, seventy five thousand something people there. It's crazy, and we were side stage, and that is Kenny Chesney's band. Is they're a bar band? They're a big uh-huh. bar band. There's three guitar players on stage. Two well, two guitar players and an aux guy who's playing everything, playing everything really well. Um, and they're they're it's a rock show, and they're playing real amps, but yeah. there's no cabs on stage. Everything, mm. you know, where I was standing was in Guitar World, uh, where all the techs were, 
and you could see the the amps in the road cases and they had you know it was all third power stuff a matchless and like the marshall sv20s and stuff mm-hmm. um no cabs now i don't know if they were running them to cabs and iso boxes off stage or if they were using oxes or captor x's or whatever sure um but yeah even in a context like that which arguably is the right place to do it there still isn't but if you go see uh go see the black crows live right which i'm doing again in a couple weeks that's all amps on stage old school like you know well when i saw john mayer uh a few weeks ago i i mean he had all his amps on stage yeah and i i'm sure i mean i don't know i don't know how he's like doing it but it was kind of funny though i i i found that did you see him on the most recent tour (sighs) no oh okay well it's fine like honestly it like it was it was great and it was really cool to go and and i got to see david ron harris before the gig and like i I say it that way because we decided not to go we had like a senior moment and then now i regret not going we're (laughs) like ah we gotta drive downtown we gotta park Uh, no i I do i get it i'm like that with most things but i found because the band was so big and i think they were like really miking stuff that it was really kind of muddled, at least for like the first half of the show. Well, that's just, that's just kind of going to see a show in an arena is like that. I don't know that I've well, ever had a good sound experience in an arena before. Man, the last time I saw him, uh, which was like right before the pandemic, uh, it was it was really good. I mean, every time I've seen him has been like good, but the 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 20 i think it was 2019 it was like holy hell like this guy like this thing is awesome and it was it was incredible it might have been where we were we we were on the floor like right in front of the stage it's kind of yeah. perfect but um i mean i don't know it's like i've not seen a whole lot of shows at bridgestone i mean probably like 10 or so i mean that's a lot but not that many um and this was it was one of the worst sound experiences I had had, and I think is they were just miking so much stuff that yeah. it just got lost. This is wall of sound. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is like you do have to you have to think about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I I see these as just another tool in the toolkit, and they're going to be right for some players, right? Some somebody out there is going to get the Woodrow and put it on their board, and it's going to be like the end all be all solution for them. They're going to be so happy. Yeah. Other people are going to buy it, and they're going to be like, "Wait, I, I I don't use this thing. It's a huge waste of money." And and sell it and move on. That's part of the journey of this stuff. It's like taking it takes years, and it just. T- Buying something, trying it out, seeing how it fits. Does it work with your style or not? And we we all do it. Yeah. it. Like, it's it's okay. It's okay to experiment and try new things. I, I think they're really cool. I'm glad they did this. And I think competition is good for this market. So I'd love to see Strymon respond or right. somebody else come out and, and do something better than this. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it only benefits us. Right. You know? And I, man, like... I've only watched one video of it. I watched the Andertons video like right when they, it came out because it was the first one I saw. And they were running it right to the desk. And I thought they sounded really good. And, and the fact yeah. that you have an app, it's kind of like an evolution of what TC Electronic has done. Yeah. Only like, I mean, way better. I mean, not to, to shit on TC Electronic. I mean, they make really good stuff for the money that it costs. But, you know, this with the app and the, the flexibility – 
is pretty phenomenal. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to hear them. Uh, yeah. It's not something I want to rush out and buy because I don't need it. It doesn't, yeah. it has no, there's, there's no real reason for right you. The, the only reason you, no, you don't need it. There's no reason for you to buy one. You have the stomp, you've got the amps. Like, I was going to say the only reason you should get one is because you don't have, I was going to say you should get the Ruby, the Vox, because you don't have any Vox sound. But then it's like, no, you have the stomp. If you want the Vox sound, but, just dial in a stomp preset. But also, how much does a used AC30 cost? Um, well, yeah, I don't gear prices right now are kind of insane. And then you got to attenuate it. You would have to attenuate it. Not here, not at the shop. Oh, we do have the aux too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just see. I'm just going to look on reverb real quick. Oh, well, I mean, a one by 12, which is not, I mean, it's not the full experience. Although, hold on. What, what, yeah, what AC30 are you looking at? Just, here? I mean, I'm just looking like at like a Chinese this. made used. Yeah, just a reissue okay. AC30. Honestly, honestly, the, I think I'd, I'd rather have this. You think than, so? Yeah, than the new, like Chinese made, just normal off the shelf AC30s. They don't sound like the AC30 that at least I have in my head. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, the, they don't, they don't sound like it. They don't. And if so, no. if that's the sound you're going for, Especially if it's something where you're going to be like recording, you, th this does that sound better than the modern reissue AC30s. And yes, even even the hand wired ones, man. They, no, they, I agree. They just do this weird, fizzly, top end thing that my vintage one doesn't do. No, but I mean that's the argument, right? You like you you see a pedal that costs four hundred bucks, you see a used amp that costs six fifty. And it's like, you know, it, it all depends on what, you know, purpose it serves. But I mean, I see your point. I, I think if I needed a Vox sound, ultimately, I, I would probably go for like a Morgan or, or maybe a Victory or something like that. Right. Uh, if I really needed it. And it's something I like. I like. And that you're amps, not going to get for 650. So that's, that's my no. point. It's like, all right, somebody who's in that, they've got, let's say, 700 bucks to spend. And they're like, I need a Vox sound or I want a Vox sound for what? To play at home? Okay. To gig with? Okay. To record with? Okay. In all of those scenarios, for that money, I think something like the Ruby or some other digital solution that is modeled after a vintage Vox, does that vintage Vox sound better than the new reissue Chinese-made Voxes? Sure. I that agree. you could get for 650, 700 bucks. Yeah. So it's it's it goes down to like what are you, what do you really want? Or it's a want versus need thing. I need the Vox sound. I want the Vox sound. What's going to get me there the in the best way possible? Well, in that price range, I think it's the pedal. Sure. Okay. So but then like if if someone wants that sound and they need to use it live and they maybe maybe they're in a band where they don't have sound reinforcement they don't need uh, or they or they there's not the, an option to even have monitors because there's a lot of bands that are like that you know yeah. um do you think that that pedal works with the cab stuff off going into some, like your most basic of like hot rod devils i think yeah i think it could now i haven't tried it yet but like if i put that in front of my port city yeah like here's how i would run it in that mode so cab cab mode off in the front of a clean amp in my pedal board i would put it at the end of my drive section before my time-based effects 
Okay. So sure. I would say, so that way you can kind of fake like the studio signal flow thing, which is like you have, you take sort of the dry amp sound via microphone and then you would bus it through a reverb or a delay or whatever in post. Yeah. Doing that kind of on your pedal board, I think would be a cool solution. Or you just throw it at the end of your pedal board chain going into your amplifier um one thing that that pedal show talked about and i don't think we've ever talked about this but on like a hot rod they have the effects loop and if you don't go into the front of the amp and just go into the effects i guess it's the return return yeah Mm -hmm. it's the amp i mean the amps all up (laughs) right but you can use a pedal as a preamp into that yeah which i have down. i have tried with my port city because the port city's got an effects loop and i've done that and it, i've had mixed results because it depends on what type of effects loop you have uh yeah. and does it what type of signal does it want to see um yeah so well, i haven't it, tried it with this yet but that that could be a really good solution if your amp has a loop yeah and you know what's funny is i tried it with a hot rod with a shin dumbloid which is like you know a dumble in a box thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I was so curious, like how do I, because I tried a lot of stuff to see, because there were a lot of amp in a box pedals before mm-hmm. they were true like that, like a real amp. Um, and that shins thing into a hot rod and the effects return sounded really good. Like, yeah, yeah. Really yeah. good. There's so many different so, ways to do this. And then the, the advantage that this would give you, if you got something like this on your board, um, is let's say you've got a really great amp and then you've got something like this, and you're a, a gigging guitar player. And like most gigging guitar players, you find yourself in a multitude of different situations. Sometimes you might be playing like a packed club to 500 people, and you can just go straight into your amp and, and just do it. Sometimes you might be playing a situation where you have to go direct. Sometimes you're doing a combination of the two. You got to be sensitive to stage volume, but you can use your amp, but you have a direct solution. So throwing something like this on your board, um, I think opens up your whole rig to a lot of different possibilities. Same thing with the HX stomp. The stomp can be the same thing, right? It's like a, it turns your board into a bit of a Swiss army knife, um, which is how I've used them in the past. And it's cool because I can kind of walk in any situation and I can say, okay, tonight I'm not using my amp. I need to use the stomp or the iridium or, oh, tonight I can, let's just go all out, like plug the amp up and, mic it up and go you know so that's who i think these are for okay i think they're really good um some cool features they look good they're built really well like ua stuff is the aesthetic so, uh, is awesome I yeah love the machined the like it yeah. looks like it's out of a single billet of aluminum you know I, it's great it's real sexy it's great all right cool do you have a uh shill of the week i do uh and then I have one thing for before the end that I need to share. Uh, we should probably talk about some other stuff too, just just to be safe. Um, so when I re- received my Wonder Effects, the Oneater, Oneater Effects, <laughs> I also received some stuff from a, another friend that I f- I haven't talked about either. Like I feel I'm a, I'm a dick. Um, but this, let's see. Oh, so, that's rad. Yeah. So this is from uh, MAE. So I think Mask Audio Electronics is uh, Alec, and he makes some really cool fuzz cool. pedals. Uh, this one is like a like a Civil War sort of uh, Big Muff thing, and the Cascader. This one's my favorite. This is um, a combination with collector emitter, and it's just a fuzz that is crazy. But his stuff, uh, MAE, uh, is really cool. 
he's a sweet guy. He's a good designer. He makes wacky fuzzes. I mean, he's making like, like these things are loud and in your face Hell yeah. and you know, they're dangerous. <laughs> That's uh, what I like. Yeah. So you would, you would love these, but he, I bought a few cause he was having like a sale cause he was moving. I'm like, I'm going to support this guy. Cause you know, he's a, he's a nice guy. And he sent me a few extra just because, you know, that's what pedal, we, we pedal people do. But check him out. MAE, Mask Audio Electronics. I'm pretty sure it's Mask. I, I, feel, I feel, I just, you ever have those moments where you're like, I know yep. this. And I know what goes. this is called and I can't remember. Yep. Nice. Um, well, I bought me a set of pickups today Ooh. Uh, for my casino. So I'm going to upgrade oh. the pickups in my casino. We're actually going to do it tomorrow over at Righteous. Um and You're not going to do that yourself? You're not going <laughs> to weasel wire down there? No. See, work smart, not hard. Yeah, I'm going to have Ben over at Righteous do it for me. Sure. And I'm going to film him. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to stand there with a camera uh, and and figured out. So I got a, uh, I went down to Atlanta Discount Music today because they, they had some in stock. Mm-hmm. And I got me a set of Lawler Doggear P90s. Now, what's interesting about this is that these two pickups are from two different sets and two different time periods. Because oh, he was nice. like, they had them just laying around the shop. And uh, he was like, yep. So we opened this one. Let's see here. This is the bridge. And uh, this is from 2021. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard, right? This neck is uh from 2014 oh nice <laughs> so i'm gonna have two pickups se- separated by eight years something like that seven eight years um so i think i'm gonna cool. go with the black covers too i'm replacing oh, the, the, the chrome covers with the black black looks good on those yeah and are you gonna rewire the pots as well yes okay. yeah i, I asked Ben's way and yeah exactly he's got all the stuff there at the shop so we're gonna make a video on it tomorrow um upgrading the pickups and uh kind of that because that casino is so good from the factory like it it for for the money for the 700 bucks that guitar slaps i play it a lot but yeah. the, the pickups are too dark they're not um yeah and those cover those covers are thick and they're blocking a lot of and they're noisy yeah, they're, yeah it, it'll, so, it'll come to life after you do that yeah and then it's like man there's a real argument for for these import guitars like that, where you know you get your hands on one for a decent price, buy a used one. Somebody bought a casino, they don't like it or whatever. Get a used one and then slap some good pickups in it. And yeah, we we went uh, McKinley and I. He wanted a humbucker guitar, and he kind of had the itch. And we went to Guitar Center one day, like after work, and played the three thirty five. Like the you know what I think they're like six hundred bucks or something. They're not expensive. Yep, and it was really good i don't like the fingerboard they're using laurel or something it's so yeah. light it, it needs like some sort of stain to yeah, make yeah. it look like real wood um but uh from a playability and a sound standpoint it was really shocking nice uh and you know it's funny like the i know it, you love to hate it but that strandberg is made in <laughs> indonesia it's a, it was a refurb <sighs> i can't find a flaw on it the pickups are made in California. Um, they're hit, like wound by a, a small winder. That that guitar is really like a really well made. You know, like there's you can't. 
I don't know. There's hands yeah. making guitars all over the world. You know, it, it shouldn't matter. But right. Well, no. I, I look. The thing with the Strandberg, I just hate the way it looks. If it sounds good, <laughs> it is good. Right. Yeah. If it's if it plays good, it is good. If it makes you happy when you play it, it is good. I just think they look I, so bad. I know they're well, they're weird. But you know what's funny? The more I've played it. Because it's the main guitar I play around the house because it's so small. I can just play on the couch, you know, It's like, and it's comfortable. It has made me, every time I pick it up, I I come up with music. I don't I don't just like sit and noodle and play the riffs. I actually start writing songs and, and things that work together beyond uh, chromaticism and scales and stuff. That's great. And that's like the, the most important thing that you can ask from an instrument. Yeah, I just wish it had a damn headstock. <laughs> well, I've honestly, for headstock. It, if if the Strandberg had a headstock, that guitar would be cool. If it had yeah. a headstock in in all the other, like, just add a, a good looking headstock, not like the James Tyler headstocks from. That. You remember those with the? Oh, well, I think the James Tyler headstock shape is okay. It's the print. Oh on it. my God, Zach! The, the shape is okay. The, the shape, shape is, is all right. awful. It's, it's the, the most. Lo- it's the logo on it that ruins it. The logo. That just calls out how bad the shape is. Oh. We need to do a video on on uh, worst guitar headstock shapes because there's some real bad ones out there. I don't mind the headstock shape on that. I think it's more interesting and more thought out than like a sir where they just like put it on a big like <laughs> drum true. sander and went <laughs> and you know like there they we just go. Took a strat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't come at me, Fender. You know. <laughs> no, I agree. I, headstocks are important, man. I to, I'm the type of person that a headstock makes or breaks a guitar for me, and yeah. uh, the the Tyler headstocks are are a no go for me. I can't. I just can't get past it. Yeah, you know? I, I you know. I'll give it to you. And I know the Strandberg is not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, it's one of those things. I, oh, real quick. Uh, um, before we get off here, we should talk about Sweetwater. Yep. So Gearfest. supposedly we're going to do something. Oh, we're doing something. So the plan is to do Dipped in Tone live, and we're going to live stream it to my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. So uh, Gearfest is... I believe not open to the public this year. No. Um, they're trying to make it more of like an influencer type deal, which is fine. It's going to be a good time. Um, so yeah, it's going to be live in a venue with people. I just don't think that we're allowed to have the general public come in. Right. But it's, it's literally a month away and they've not sent us any information on. That'll be fine. I hate that. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> dude but, you've got a month to figure that's fine it's just man I, but, it's not that far i know but and like everything's kind of in place it's just like i need definitive plans because i'm just <sighs> that kind of person like if you say hey we're gonna do this and then i need to know like yeah right now that you've been texting me like are we is this happening like yeah it's happening <laughs> like, like, i don't have a flight yet it. it's like okay um it'll be fine figure it I, out man here's what i think is is gonna happen they're gonna say zach who will send <laughs> Rhett a ticket <laughs> And like they'll just leave my ass at home. No, nope. um, no, nope, that's not happening. Because if that ever were to happen, then my ass wouldn't be going. Uh, <laughs> well, so uh, we're doing that, and then literally, I'm coming back. I guess like Sunday, we'll, I'll fly back. Um, Going to be home Monday, and then I am driving with Jeff, the pedal lizard himself, to JHS. Oh yes, we're going to do the JHS live stream on Wednesday. Going to shoot an episode on Thursday, and then. Friday, I'm going to drive uh, to Mass Street Music, and we're going to do 
Bam. Whoa. A live demo. We'll have Q&A, demo, Holy giveaways, shit. all oh sorts of stuff. Look at you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like a wanted poster. That's what everyone <laughs> said. Uh, but we're going to do a um, like an in-store hang. Uh, after yeah. hours on Friday night, and then we're driving back on Saturday. Shit, I want to so. come. That sounds like fun. <laughs> it should be. Uh, Man, I meant to stop at Mass Street because we drove back that way on our trip, but it was such a slog. It, oh, know, yeah. it just wasn't wasn't going to happen. That's awesome, though, dude. Uh, that yeah. You're going to have so much fun. You haven't been to JHS yet, have you? No. Oh, my God. No. You're going to have a jolly man. It's going to be fun. And we, like, Jeff and I are going. He's going to help, like, take photos and film and stuff. So, Dude, you don't know how many pedals Josh has in that room. He sent me, because I once asked, when was it decided that input was on the right and output was on the left? Right. And he did, he sent me a polo walking through opening drawers yep. saying, well, this came out in this month of this year yep. and this, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Dude, <laughs> it's insane. It's- so we all we all know what the JHS show set looks like, right? It's just the, yeah. the shelves of pedals. What you don't see is underneath all those shelves are drawers that span the perimeter of the entire room. They go around the entire room, and it's like four or five drawers deep, and you pull the drawer out, and they are full. I mean, just everything. There's pedals everywhere in there. And it's like, it's... If if he didn't own one of the largest pedal companies in the world, it would be a problem. He'd have a problem because <laughs> it's like complete sets of, oh, this is when they changed from this font to this font. And then I've got three of these and then they went to this color. But then that for one week out of the year, they did this color red and I've got this. And then we went over here. Like, dude, just 250s, DOD 250s. The guy has got but the, the, the 250 episode that they did, I guess it was earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Josh literally worked on that for over a year that episode for over a year because he and i were poloing back in during the pandemic like march or april of 2020 and he had tupperware boxes he was showing me full of 250s he's like this one you see there's four six screws on the foot switch whereas this one there's three screws on the foot switch why did they switch so i've got it's just it's insane you're gonna have an aneurysm when you walk in there (laughs) um it's super cool I can't wait, and it should be really fun. My my, um, Addison, I'm telling you now, I'm going to try my best to use every double entendre, <laughs> and 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 close to every dirty word I can because they don't cuss on the live stream or the I show know. or anything, <laughs> which is hard for me. So I'm I'm just gonna it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to Man. give me like a a 10 second delay so they can mute me. You mute me out, yeah. <laughs> No, it's gonna be a good time. You're gonna have a fun time playing, um, and and being there in the room with the guys, like it's it's great. Yeah, Nick and and Addison and and the whole crew, um, you will get to experience Nick's creative genius firsthand, right? Um, and I I mean that word literally. Nick is a creative genius. He mm-hmm. is so brilliant at what he does. It's it's insane. So um, you're gonna have a good time. I can't wait. I cannot wait. So okay. Well, well, nope. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Goodbye, Bye, everybody. y'all.